Hi, I'm Jago Wynn, and welcome to the HTC Daily Podcast. We as a church are meeting daily on Zoom to speak to God in prayer and to hear from God in the Bible. For those of you who can't join us live or who want to listen again, we're featuring the Daily Bible Thought as we journey through Matthew's Gospel in the first part of 2021, and we're also including how we're being encouraged to pray each day. Today, it's George Clark. Uh, we, at the moment, are going through uh, stories of when Jesus appeared to people post-resurrection. So we came to the end of Matthew. Jago started us off yesterday um, with the story of Jesus appearing to the disciples in the upper room and then specifically to Thomas after that. And I recommend going back and listening to it. But at the moment, we're going to be looking at Jesus's, uh, stories of Jesus appearing to people post-resurrection. And again, we come to this passage in John which I'm just going to read through in a second, uh, of Jesus appearing to his disciples, um, teaching them and cooking for them. And I think it's a beautiful passage and wonderful passage. So let's crack on. Let's get into the passage. Uh, It is, if it will come up on the screen, if you've got a Bible, wonderful, physical or not, that would be amazing. It is John chapter 21, verses 1 to 14. uh, And it says this. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realise that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment round him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed him in the boat, followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred metres. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This is now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Last week, I spoke on the moment that the Marys went to the tomb and they encountered the risen Jesus in Matthew 28. And their response, rightly so, was to fall on their knees, clasp Jesus's ankles, and they worshipped. And here we see the disciples out fishing, something they had done for many years before meeting Jesus. And they'd gone back to doing that. And, but what do they do when they come to meet the resurrected Jesus? They eat. And I think that in itself is amazing. In verse 12, we read the words, come and have breakfast. Now, I wonder how many of us have pondered those words for longer than a few seconds and the power that they have. Well, I did because I love food. And I've come to this conclusion uh, alongside me, which is, yep, breakfast is the best meal of the day. But in fact, stored within these words and Jesus's act of making them breakfast 
something so beautiful and so simple. Jesus is revealing, I think, something so deeply profound for how we, as disciples of Jesus, minister and care for one another and others in our community in such a simple, ordinary way. He asks us to serve profoundly in deeply, deeply ordinary and loving ways. And I'm not coming to this conclusion just based on this passage alone. Of course, Jesus's ministry is full of these encounters with people, talking and eating with people. So this is just a continuation of something that Jesus did. It wasn't something that he just started. This was a continuation of his character. And I love the way one author puts it like this. Christ, newly risen from the dead, might have summoned angels to attend him. He might have visited kings instead of fishermen. He might have ordered a spectacular banquet rather than served simple bread and cooked fish on the shore. The Christ who ascended to glory was the same Christ who served breakfast on the beach, who, sto- who stooped to serve. His glory was revealed perhaps most profoundly in the ordinariness of his ministry. And I know that naturally from within ourselves, we will argue the opposite, that power, place and prominence are what and what we should be aiming for. That's what the world teaches us growing up. It's what we're shown through social media and through TV and films. But actually, Jesus shows us the upside down kingdom. Jesus, knowing that he was about to die, knew just as he was about to die, Jesus knew that he was about to ascend into glory. And how does Jesus show us the kingdom? He gets on his knees and he washes feet. He goes to the shoreline and he cooks breakfast for the hungry. This is the power and the way that the kingdom breaks through. In a book called The Supper of the Lamb by a guy called R.F. Capon, he writes this, which I absolutely love. It is in the ordinary that groans with the weight of glory. And a prayer that I would love us to break to, to speak out and use this morning and in our everyday is this. Simply, Lord, use me today in ordinary ways. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself and speak uh, too much into what's coming up tomorrow uh, and tread on tomorrow, tomorrow's toes. But this is what Jesus asks of Peter in the next part of the passage. Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Then feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. These words do not contain a recipe for fame, but they are a command and a cry to love and become low so that Jesus is held high and boasted in alone. Again, uh, this guy Capon, he says this, a man can do worse than to be poor. He can miss altogether the sight of the greatness of small things. Although life is so very different at the moment with restrictions and like we've just prayed for, things are starting to open up again, which is uh, amazing um, and praise God. What are things that we can still or start to do that would deem to everybody else ordinary, that would allow the kingdom of God to break through in ways that the world couldn't even imagine? The world looks to big events for change. But actually, we look to humble, simple communion with one another and even with our neighbours who don't yet know Jesus in order for him to break through in this world. And at the moment, simple things that we could do. uh, Who can we call? Who can we sit down with now outside? Who can we prepare a meal for and drop it off? Who can we text or uh, call and remind them of how much they're loved today? And... And I mean, a wonderful opportunity of this and uh, something that's coming up, at the, coming up very soon at our church is Alpha. Alpha is based around this whole idea of having a table 
where we can sit around with one another virtually or not um, and eat with one another. Eating is a main part of Alpha and um, I love that actually. Big questions are discussed over food because there's a way to gather around with one another, to laugh uh, and to just be honest with one another and food breaks down walls. I truly believe that. But before we pray this morning, I really want us to hear this first of all and just drive this home as much as possible. That firstly, our identities are as sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. We are redeemed and enough. And then from that place of identity, we then offer the little we have, just as the boy offered up his food to Jesus so that we can serve those around us. From cooking to something like picking up litter, God breaks through in powerfully deep, ordinary ways. And I'd love to just finish with a quote before we just very quickly pray. John concludes his gospel account with these words. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. And I tend to think of these many other things as grand displays of power, staggering miracles and earth-shaking utterances. And those things probably happened. But I'm beginning to wonder if John is speaking of something else. How many words of love and kindness did Jesus utter? How many meals humbly prepared? How many quiet stoopings? How many washings of feet? How many wiping of tears from the eyes? How many plain, ordinary, small glories did he display? Were every, were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the book that could be written. And a lot of them would probably appear very, very ordinary. Thanks, George. So this morning we read Psalm 89 verses 1 to 8 and then we prayed prayers of thanks for God's love and faithfulness to us. We then went on to pray as we begin to unlock. We wanted to pray for safety as restrictions ease. And we also prayed for people who work in retail and hospitality. And we prayed for people who might be feeling anxious as things begin to open up again. And then after George brought us his talk, we prayed uh, for God's kingdom to break through in ordinary ways. And we prayed that each of us could find opportunities to serve for God's kingdom.